any investors who use nuclear and gas will have to say, right, these are our investments, they're taxonomy aligned, this is the amount of nuclear in it, this is the amount of gas. Welcome to this new episode of the Antinu Energy Transition podcast, and the name is Rage Against the Taxonomy. And I'm really happy to have someone who's really in the bubble in Brussels uh, here with me today. And her name is Kira Taylor, and she's uh, the energy and environment reporter of Eurective, which is one of the key online newspapers. And probably many of you in the audience who have listened to this, maybe you have also seen that uh, online newspaper so far. So welcome to the podcast, dear Kira. Thanks for having me. Super cool. Kira, before we start and talk about what the taxonomy is and what the goal is and why there was a bit of rage and why there is still a bit of rage, would you mind just giving me a little bit of an idea who you are, not just me, but obviously the audience. So who are you and what made, what made you the person that you are today? Yeah, so I'm a British uh, journalist who somehow ended up in Brussels. Um, I've covered European energy and environment policy for nearly a year and a half now. Um, find it really interesting. It's a uh, bit of a learning curve. I think none of us knew what a delegated act was before uh, the taxonomy came up. Um, I've spent a lot of time explaining to people what the word taxonomy means. Um, my friends have no clue what my job is, but we're, uh, I'm slowly beginning to, to teach them. So yeah, that's, that's a bit about me. Cool. No, beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. You just used this word delegated act and the taxonomy and you said you keep spending your days explaining to people what the taxonomy is. So here you have another opportunity. So let's talk about this, <laughs> this taxonomy thing. So I feel it blew up over the last eight weeks and is never really, it never really calmed down. That could be because I'm in the German bubble and there, the, this thing called nuclear is very, um, how do you call it? Like a lot of people don't like it. And I also have to admit, um, and that I do this as a, how do you say it? Uh, Full disclosure here that I've been on, on anti-nuclear rallies when I was a small child and my father had a cabin close to the nuclear facilities, uh, the waste facility. So I'm, I'm, very, I'm definitely very biased, but I still try to have a proper conversation about this topic with you. So uh, let's get it started. What is the EU taxonomy? Maybe we just start with a very general question. So the EU taxonomy is actually a bit older than I think most people think it is. It's been going for a couple of years now. There's actually a, a couple of pieces of legislation which have already been agreed and that they're fine. Um, so the real issue is this delegated act. And as you say, it kind of blew up over the last eight weeks. It, they, it had been talked about for a bit longer, particularly we were hearing EU countries lobbying the European Commission to put it out. And actually, at that point, we were hearing a lot of support from EU countries for uh, nuclear and fossil gas. And that support remains. But what we've now heard is a lot of environmentalists, um, some EU countries, some lawmakers, and actually some of the investors who this taxonomy is aimed at, they're also not liking it now. Um, so I mentioned investors there. That's pretty much where the taxonomy is aimed at. It's this list of sustainable green investments that investors can use and say, well, actually, we are a green bank, pension fund, etc., because we are in line with the taxonomy and that has climate friendly activities. Um, nuclear and gas, I will do it, say, quick disclaimer, are counted as transitional activities. So they don't have the top tier sustainable uh, level, but they are in the taxonomy. Cool. That, that's already really helpful. You said 
there are, and I didn't even know that you just talked about different tiers. So, 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 what, what are what what are the other technologies that are in that taxonomy, and how many tiers they are, and uh, and which technology goes into which tier in the current version? And no, it, it's been approved, isn't it? It's been approved some days ago. So, so it's sort of been approved. Okay, so, then, okay. Let's start with the levels or the tiers, and then mm -hmm. we go into the process. Okay. So there are three tiers. Um, the key ones is one in the middle, which is escaping me because we never talk about it. Um, but there's enabling and there's transitional and there's another one as well. Nuclear and fossil gas have both been put in transitional. Um, actually, the nuclear lobby are quite annoyed about that because they don't see themselves as transitional. They see themselves as, as sustainable and long term. Yes, they see themselves as enabling, which is the same tier as renewables got, for instance. So like offshore wind and solar and like, I don't know, hydrogen and carbon There's capture and storage? There's a very, or? very long list, which was yeah. under the first Climate Delegated Act, which was already approved. Um, so if any of your listeners want to go and look at that, they can. Um, it was, I would say it's quite heavy evening reading. Um, <laughs> Why does it need to be evening reading? But yeah, we'll just, um, if you like, you can give me the link afterwards and then mm -hmm. uh, I'll put it in the show notes. So please, the audience, if you listen to this, it should be in the audience with you now. Yeah. Okay. So we've got these three tiers. That's good. And then we've got these enabling technologies and we've got these um, transitional. Uh, transitional, transitional technologies. Is there anything else apart from gas and nuclear that is in this transitional tier? You would have to go back to the first Climate Delegated Act. Certainly, th there are um, criteria for every single technology which has been included in this. So I'd suggest if people have a particular interest that they go to the first Climate Delegated Act, which has already been approved, and look at that. Like, I do not have enough brain space no, <laughs> to remember that, them all. No, that, that's super fine. Um, Oh, you mentioned that it had been approved. So it hasn't been approved, but on February the 2nd, the European Commission came out with its final proposal for the second climate, I can't even say it now, second climate delegated act of the EU sustainable finance taxonomy, i.e. the inclusion of nuclear and fossil gas. Um, so EU countries and the European Parliament now have a four month scrutiny period to really read through it, understand it, but they can't make amendments because it's a delegated act. It's not the normal legislative yeah, procedure. It's not. It's not, not a law that, that is approved, but it's it's like the law is already approved, and this is then um, how, yeah. how the, the the how do you call it? The government can just decide how it is defined on this more detailed level. Is that correct? So basically, at the end of this four-month scrutiny period, the EU countries and the European Parliament will say yes, we agree we want that, or no, we don't want that, go back to the drawing board. But they can't do it. And because it's a regulation as well, it will be implemented the same across the EU. Member states won't really be able to say, well, we do this. Having said that, the European Commission has been very clear that just because something is in the taxonomy doesn't mean that it has to be used. So that's particularly aimed at the nuclear-hating countries. They're saying, well, yes, it's there, but you don't have to use it. Yeah, yeah. So, so you say this is kind of like, it's like a guideline for investments, if I'm, if I'm understanding correctly. But why do we actually need this? Like, you know, there's like these big investment funds or there's like, there's big, like, uh, probably not VCs or not, not venture capital, but there's like these pension funds. And so why do they need advice on where to put their money? Because they can do that autonomously, isn't it? Like, why do they need this taxonomy thing? What is the advantage or like for them? Like, yeah. 
Yeah, every time anyone says guidelines, this is a very side point, but I just get the Pirates of the Caribbean phrase of it's just guidelines, really. And I don't know why people aren't quoting that more. It's making me really sad that I haven't heard this. Um, is guidelines so, is this parlay? So it's like just you don't need to follow it? Or it, yeah, okay. Yeah. Because it's been some uh, years since the Pirates of the Caribbean for me. <laughs> Maybe it's because I share my name with the, the lead actress. But anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, it was cute. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nightly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I think uh, anyone is free to create their own taxonomy, in inverted commas, um, for their own investments. The thing that the European Commission is trying to tackle is this idea of greenwashing. So where a company might say, oh, yes, this is definitely green. And then actually it might have some damage to the environment or to biodiversity. So what the European Commission tried to do with this was bring everything together into this one thing, which could be the kind of gold standard. Um, and from there, be able to or banks or anyone would say, right, we are taxonomy aligned. Um, however, you're actually seeing other people already doing that. So the European Investment Bank already has some kind of a, a climate roadmap, which is more ambitious when it comes to fossil gas than this proposal. Um, and the president of the EIB is basically said, well, actually, we've got ours now, so we, we don't have to implement this. Mm. But why do you think that the European Commission um, was then so keen on implementing such, like, yeah, this taxonomy if the European Investment Bank is already working on a very similar project or a similar, similar structure? I think this does come from a really good place in the European Commission where they are really trying to push for climate alignment and to, to reach their climate goals. Um, What the European Commission have been hampered by is the fact that they legally had to do this. Um, and for, for nuclear and gas, that has become the thing. And actually, they will say, and, and um, if people argue against this, it's probably worth watching Mary McGuinness, the um, commissioner who introduced this, watching her press conference, because it was pretty brutal with the questions she was being asked. And she defended it quite well, I would say. Um, and they they would still argue that this is science-based. Um, other people argue that it isn't. Um, and you get this very bizarre argument as to kind of what is science-based now. No, but yeah, I was yeah, I was just wondering <clears throat> how how you know it's for like as a, as a scientist, I think it's very it's interesting how science-based is very often used in in political discourses, for example, because there is no such thing as science scientifically right or wrong science i feel is is science is not truth science is the looking for truth and depending on what you want to optimize or what your goal is there's different ways towards it and then you different ways of optimizing that and so it's saying this is science-based yes nuclear can't be science-based if you don't want to have waste but if you don't care about waste then yes then obviously it's a, it's a it's a low carbon technology that you can use and gas obviously you could say ah it's science-based it's still fossil you can't use it but you can also say yeah it's better than coal so it's the question what do you want to optimize and that's why i find it funny that you also kind of noticed that that this term of science based is yeah can be used in many different ways yeah i think if you want to get into the kind of philosophy of it for a second it is that thing of journalism and politics is very quick very snappy you know we write 600 word articles and then that's it Bam, whereas science based mm. kind of 
or science looks at the wider picture. And I think that is where you do get this discrepancy between politics and journalism and science as well. Um, and, and on what you say about kind of waste and, and emissions from uh, fossil gas and from nuclear, um, they do have criteria in this proposal to tackle that type of thing. So there are um, measures when it comes to waste from nuclear and also fossil gas has some emissions thresholds and also will need to be phasing or help phase out coal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing is, what I know from, from, from modeling fossil gas is that we just, you know, we very often only look at the burning of the of it and then we see okay four c's go out you know mm -hmm. but the question is where does all this gas come from and i'm i live in norway and here they say we have clean neutral uh, natural gas so there's hardly any leakage and i i kind of trust that with the norwegians but the thing is in cent in central europe on eastern europe most of the natural gas comes from russia and there's there's a lot of doubt about uh, the leakages that that are taking place in in siberia and then the question is okay then even if you would argue that in the burning process there's less co2 coming out um obviously um then the question is okay is it still across the whole life cycle or the, across the whole um the, how do you call it like supply chain is that really more efficient is it really exposing uh, less co2 it's debatable and I think no one really knows, like no one really, really knows. And that, yeah. that again makes it, again, the question is like, okay, okay, that's science-based, but that's model science-based. It's maybe not real world implication. <laughs> um, yeah. That I think makes makes these kind of discourses about something like the taxonomy even harder and more intricate, I would think. And also I think that that could change over the next 10 years because you're seeing what's called the methane regulation, which was proposed in December. So the European Commission is very aware that there are problems with leaks when it comes to fossil gas. Um, so it's odd with this taxonomy that it's based on kind of uh, things at the moment. So actually a criteria which included this huge thing would really struggle because stuff will change over the next 10 years. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kira, I would like to have a look a bit more at this process. So, um, so I, when I when I was prepping for the session today, I, I just realized, okay, you had and we already had a laugh about it in the pre in the pre chat that you had this new article out, which is not an article, but you call it a fairy tale, and uh, you start that that article with once upon a time in a strange land called Brussels, named Brussels, the great leaders of the European Commission came together to decide what investment should be made to save their world from the great monster climate change. So. Let's get into this process. Why is that for you such a fairy tale thing? It's like why? What? Like, can you can you can you take us again w with you um, into this bubble in Brussels? Because what I heard, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is like that many of these information kind of came out in the night of of uh, New Year's and something. And I, and always when I when I hear that some kind of policy proposition is coming out when there's a new when there's it's new year's or it's christmas or it's like there's a big international football game or whatever then that i feel it's already a bit cheesy it's not cheesy at all it's like smells a bit fishy so um take us through the process what was good what was not good why are people upset about the process so i, I guess the the place that article came from what was two things i mean firstly and i really kicked myself that i didn't mention it in the article so i'm gonna say it now this Pandora's box of fossil gas and nuclear, you know, it was kicked wide open um, on New Year's Eve, as you say. Um, also, it came from this idea of this kind of crystal ball of future things which these technologies will have to meet in order to uh, be in line with the criteria. But actually, 
we, we don't know whether those technologies will meet them, yet they'll be eligible for the green label immediately. So that's kind which, of where, which challenges which which are these challenges? So there are things like it for fossil gas by 2035, it needs to be renewable or low carbon. Um, for nuclear by 2025, it will need to use accident tolerant fuel. Um, which is just not a thing at the moment. It's still being developed. So Never heard there that is, term, yeah. <laughs> there, there were a lot of emails from me to people going, um, what, what, is, what this? is this, please? <laughs> okay. um, so, yeah, I think it, there are these future criteria, which we don't know will be met, but it will be immediately eligible for the green label. But, yeah, I think, as you said, it did come out on New Year's Eve. Um, it was annoying for everyone who suddenly jumped on Twitter and was like, oh gosh, this is happening because we've been following this for months. So we were all, well, we're all nerds about this. We were very excited and all of our families were looking at us going, well, you it's, it's New Year. Um, so, I mean, the commission was following its promise to have something by the end of 2021, five minutes before 2022. Um, I think all of us wouldn't have complained if it had been the next day. Um, so yes, on New Year's Eve, it was sent out to EU countries and this kind of, um, I think we called them a wise and powerful council in that fairy tale article, which was actually probably the best description of them, uh, this platform for sustainable finance, um, and also to politicians in the European Parliament, although they were complaining because they had less of a say, they were informally consulted rather than EU countries and the platform for sustainable finance, which was able to give an opinion. Um, so that lasted a month. Um, that was when we were seeing a lot of the battle or the raid against the taxonomy um, begin. And yeah, on February the 2nd, there were small changes, small but important changes made to the proposal. Um, and, and it's now in scrutiny between um, EU countries and the European Parliament. Yeah. Yeah. You, you already mentioned like how this, that now the, the, um, this is the European Parliament, I think, has the opportunity to look at it for four months or five months, you said. So maybe maybe let's, even though we just um, talked about it a very little bit, let, let's maybe look at the future now. Um, what, what, so what, can you please repeat one more time, what's going to happen now? Who has the chance to do anything? Because I've read on Instagram, for example, that, as you said, it can be negated or it can be turned down by the European Parliament, but it doesn't really look like it. Like I'm following some some member of Parliament, uh, MEPs in the European Parliament, and they say, ah, it could be, but it's really unlikely. So can you maybe give us a feel of like what you, how, how your crystal ball looks like? <laughs> and then if in the long run, if that taxonomy thing, if it's just a big thing right now, but like no one will really care in the long run, maybe your, your, your idea about these two topics. Well, I think journalists wish they had a crystal ball and they're, they're very scared about giving predictions. Um, but yeah, the EU countries and the European Parliament now have four months to scrutinise this. Um, they can extend that to six months if, if they want. Um, in the EU Council, so the European countries, the majority are for this or won't stand in the way of it. Um, I think there's a bit of a perception at the moment that more countries are against just because of how vocal Luxembourg and Austria have been against it. So certainly Austria and Luxembourg were very against it. Um, they're kind of trying to gather support at the moment, but it would be very, very unlikely that they would get a majority. So instead, they're looking to um, take up a legal case if this does become law. 
Um, and I'll get back to that in a second because it's kind of the second line of defence for the taxonomy opponents. The first line of defence is in the European Parliament. So, as you said, we're still kind of trying to see if there are the numbers to block it in the European Parliament. It has a lower voting threshold for opposing it than the um, EU countries have. So it would take 353 MEPs, a number that is now burnt into my brain. Um, How many MEPs are there altogether? Is that is that a single majority? I think around or? 700. So it is basically, yeah, it's a simple majority. Simple majority, um, yeah. And... Um, yeah, so the S&D, so the Socialists and Democrats, are already saying that they'll vote against it. The Greens, uh, we are expecting to vote against it. And then as you move across to the right of the European Parliament, it kind of begins to get a bit more grey as to who will support it. I mean, ECR, we're expecting, will be completely behind it. So, What is ECR? The European uh, Conformists and... No. Do we have to Google this? <laughs> we might have Con- to Google Conservative this. Conservative Party? Or this is, it the, is uh, the European... Yeah. See, this is the welcome to the Brussels bubble. You will immediately forget any full names for anything. You will just live in the world of acronyms. Yeah, it me it, it stands for the European Conservatives and Reformists. Oh, there you go. Yes. Um, so they were expecting will be pretty much behind it. I mean, partly because they have a very strong um, Polish majority in the group. Um, the Renew Europe and the European People's Party, we're not so sure. It's quite split at the moment. Renew Europe has quite a strong French backing. So we're expecting a lot of the French uh, lawmakers to vote for it because of nuclear. Um, for it, is it? Yeah, not against it because there's such a, such a tradition in, in, in France with nuclear. Certainly, yeah. Um, European People's Party has been interesting because it is quite right wing. Um, but and also rather conservative, beginning... but not not that conservative as, not as that the ECR, isn't it? No. Yeah. Um, but they are. Yeah, we we are hearing people who are actively working against it now. You also hear people who are very much supporting it, and that's why it's so hard to really work out whether um, there will be a majority in Parliament to block it. But they are the people we're, we're watching. And again, um, lawmakers who don't like this are working. Um, one, I attended an event this week where a Green MEP called Michael Bloss was saying that, you know, they have four months to rally support against it. And then they have an extra two months if they want and they'll take it into August. And my heart dropped because I was like, oh, are we really going to do this until August? Um, you know, I'll be another year older by then. Um, <laughs> but, you know. They are really working against it. Whether that momentum keeps going, it is another thing. Um, we'll see. But the taxonomy is quite an ageless piece of legislation, really, because it's designed to last for a long time because these emissions thresholds won't change. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny that you talk about Michael Bloss because I actually interviewed him in another podcast a year ago. So, and he's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's like, I wouldn't say, yeah. Yeah, he's a good acquaintance. Let's put it like that. Um, so it's cool. That, but I know that he's really working against it. And he's also one of the people that I follow on Instagram. So and if you talk English, no, if you, I think most of his stuff is actually German because he's a German representative of Southwest um, Baden-Württemberg. Anyway, um, so that was like the first thing, um, the first question of like, okay, uh, uh, what, what's the fairy tale in the next four months, maybe six months? Um, if, if, it, if it gets approved or like if it's, if it's not turned down um, with... Having in mind, for example, this this other structure that was introduced by the European Investment Bank, I think you said, how would you, like, I know it's another crystal ball question, but how would you think it will all turn out if it is not if it is not turned down? Um, do like will these 
be competing or will anyone actually really care um will uh, the pension funds do the stuff they want to do anyways uh, will there be other ways of greenwashing your investments what what's your take like your like your long-term view well the first thing is if it is approved austria and luxembourg will almost certainly take it to court um then they're mentioning three legal grounds at the moment there's something around significant harm um which might be a good ground and they're also talking about the issue of participation so the first climate delegated act had a public um, consultation on it this one didn't so th there are some things which they might be able to to fight on um, after that it's really just a choice um, some people might align with the EIB um, other people might might take this one thing that this has introduced and, and was welcomed by a lot of people um, particularly the sustainable uh, the platform for sustainable finance who suggested that was this disclosure form so any investors who use nuclear and gas will have to say right these are our investments they're taxonomy aligned this is the amount of nuclear in it, this is the amount of gas. So that has been a point in this favour where actually people who don't like nuclear will be able to point out that they're not using nuclear. But people may go to other taxonomies. There are other countries which are forming taxonomies which don't have nuclear or don't have gas in them. Yeah, but then we'll, if that happens and more other taxonomies will rise up, then I guess there will be then, then this one goal that was there to have one taxonomy that applies to everyone and everyone understands it and if, if you if you're if you use it then you you can expect that everyone who's interested in the topic knows that particular one that goal will probably yeah not come uh, how do you say it in english that will just not arrive or they will not not materialize maybe put it like that yeah really interesting views kira thanks to, for joining me on this podcast today it was really really nice and it was really nice also to talk with someone from the brussels bubble because when i when i was living in central germany i would go there sem several times and then you know going to the meetings and talking to people and here from norway it's a bit harder so it was, it was really a pleasure to actually have a chat with you and, uh, and learning all these cool things and dear audience i hope you learned something as well if you want you can always Check out Kira uh, on your active, obviously. Uh, Kira, how can people find you if they are interested in talking to you, or booking you? Well, I don't know, just, you know, interacting with you. Uh, definitely on Twitter is the place where I'm most active. I am talking a lot about the taxonomy on Twitter at the moment. There will be taxonomy memes, also actual taxonomy news um, and everything else that I cover. I put it on Twitter as well. Beautiful. Cool. Your handle is Kira Taylor 15 and I'm also going to put it into the show notes. Cool, Kira. Thanks for joining me today. All the best to you and um, we'll see each other maybe another time. Would be That would be cool. Take care. Thanks and thanks for letting me talk about my uh, pet passion now, the taxonomy. I think there was quite a lot of fairy tales in there. I, I liked it though. Certainly, yeah. <laughs>